Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Daily Kofefi. Today is Thursday, September 5th. I'm Carter, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad man Majama and her little pup, Carrie Smith and Tiger. Good morning, Carter. How are you doing today? I'm good. Carter, uh, Tiger's usually always here. You just usually, sometimes you can't see him in the camera. <laughs> sometimes he's down beneath, right here on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> I got a picture this morning of where Tiger was hiding. Uh, so Carrie, I did not get a chance to watch this yesterday, but did you know or see that CNN did a, what they were calling a climate crisis town hall. I was only aware of it because you told me it was happening. Uh, yeah. Seven hours, Carrie. Seven hours. They did back-to-back town hall meetings with 10 Democratic candidates for seven hours. That's... That's what CNN thinks will boost it's, their ratings. Is this, that's, what's, that's the third ring of hell, right? <laughs> yes, possibly. But, uh, you know, I was wondering, this climate crisis, this is actually interesting because we, I just released this morning, we just released a video about fracking, and which I know sounds very boring, but it's a good video with Daniel Richards. Go check it out. But I'm wondering... I, <laughs> This climate crisis thing, seven hours of a climate crisis town hall meeting, it reminded me of one thing. Can I, I'm going to play a clip for you to show you, Carrie, just to kick off the discussion, to show you what it reminded me of. You ready? Yes. Mr. Dascom, what we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. This message must be read in every newspaper, heard on every radio, seen on every television. This message must resound throughout the entire interlink. I want this country to realize that we stand on the edge of oblivion. I want every man, woman, and child to understand how close we are to chaos. I want everyone to remember why they need us. Wow. Excellent choice. Why they need us. This is, that's, that's, those are the Democrats. Uh, excellent, excellent choice. That's the entire cathedral, by the way. That is what your overlords are thinking right now. That's why, I think that's why they love climate. Climate, the climate crisis is the best thing for statists because it is, it, you can make it monstrously catastrophic, right? Cause they, I mean, it can be, it could be, it could be the existence of the entire human race, right? It can be monstrously catastrophic. It's, they can scientify it so that you never actually can answer any real, they don't have actually have to answer any real questions. It's, they can just kind of obscure. Scientists say, we need Cory Booker, whatever it is. They can just, they can kind of hide behind science and it's unsolvable. There will always be some reason to fear whether it's a giant asteroid or whether there's some other freaking thing happening. There's always something. Humans, by, by their very nature, change the environment. That's how we survive. So something that we're going to do can always be taken to some extreme, like, oh, my God, we're going to run out of helium, we're gonna, which we might. We're going to run out of helium. We're going to run out of uh, fossil fuels. We're going to run out of this. We're going to burn the atmosphere. We're going to anything. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a never-ending crisis that you can get people to rally behind. And I think 
you know, in order to hang on to power, in order to have power over people, one of the things you can do is convince them that there is an existential threat and they should give up their liberty and just suck it up because it's life or death. And that's why I think CNN loves the climate change narrative personally. What well, do you think? When, well, when you said the Blue Cathedral uh, wants, they, they want us to need them. I know that you're also including within that the legacy media, like CNN. All of that's part of the cathedral. And yeah, yeah they want, look, I went to CNN right before we started to read an article about their proposed, this is before the, they did the thing, about their proposed climate crisis day. And a little pop-up came up and from CNN. It said, <clears throat> do you want us to summarize the news for you every day and give you the five top stories? No, CNN, I don't. <laughs> 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 no, no, Carrie. That's the third circle of hell. <laughs> Wolf Blitzer summarizing your news for you every day. John uh, Lemon. Oh. <laughs> so, um, by the way, speaking of Wolf Blitzer, he kind of kicked off this thing. Oh, I found something. I maybe it will be interesting to our audience, but it's at least interesting to me. Did you know? I don't know why I didn't know this. CNN has an entire part of their website where they just do transcripts. So you don't have to watch anything. You can just, you can just go look at the transcripts, which I don't that's, know why, I don't know why I didn't know that's, that. That's actually very helpful. Yes. I, I've used their transcripts before. I would, everyone, all, they should all do that. Yeah. So Wolf Blitzer kicked off the climate crisis seven hour slog by blaming, basically blaming her, blaming climate change for Hurricane Dorian, which is not how science works. And, and so then, anything that's naturally occurring, but is something that humans find to be bad, anything naturally occurring in Mother, Mother Nature is the result of climate change now. Is that what I'm hearing? If there's a hurricane, yeah. climate change. If there's a tornado, climate change. <laughs> Yeah. If it rains um, today and makes my day suck, climate change. If they can pin it on client, climate change, uh, they, they will. So speaking of hurricanes, there's this like, oh, hurricanes are, are worse and there's more and blah, blah, blah. Uh, here, just, you know, hate to throw out some data. Here's a, here's a graph from Noah of the Atlantic Basin hurricane frequency by year. Uh, 2005 was a biggie. It looks like it's tied with 1961. Uh, doesn't, I don't see a, a big increasing trend here. Do you, Carrie? No, when does this start? I can't see the 1947 is the first, uh, first one. Yeah, there's 2017. no, I mean, this is, yeah, there's no, there's no trend there. Yeah, the other thing to keep in mind is hurricanes in the past were, were only reported if they were sighted by ships, right? Until, until we had, uh, I think until we had uh, satellite imagery, hurricane reporting was different. So you have to take that into account. But yeah, so he's going to blame, he's going to blame climate change on hurricane or hurricanes on climate change because, you know, it's convenient to the narrative. So let's, one, let's just see what some people... Some people were talking about CNN has a convenient, well, you don't have to watch the whole seven hour thing. CNN has a convenient list of all of the things that are the takeaways from each candidate. So by the way, one of the things going around 
from this that you'll see on Twitter is Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden had like blood in his eye and people are very excited about Joe Biden's bloody eye uh, during the town hall. But that's unrelated I, I to climate change. I did see that. I did see that. It looked like from a zombie movie or something. Yeah. I don't know. Actually, I don't know that it's unrelated to climate change. It could, in fact, be the result of climate change. We should ask Wolf Blitzer. So let's see. Here is a, here's Cory Booker. Because, you know, because Cory. I put this guy, by the way, Cory Booker. Oh, he's, he's so dumb. I put him in the same category of uh, annoying as, like, the the... The worst three offenders, in my opinion, so far, the worst three would be Beto, uh, Kamala Harris, and Cory Booker. Beto is particularly annoying. Beto is very um, annoying. And he, you're right. The other day you mentioned he looked uncomfortable. He just, he looks so uncomfortable all the time. You but- know why I think this is? So, so this, this is a tangent, but if you like it, leave it in. Um, he's, it occurred to me watching him, He's, yeah. he's, okay, a lot of these people are acting. They're actors, right? Right, right. But he, he's, he's a bad actor. That's why he looks uncomfortable. He's not a person who, I don't feel like he's a, I look at him and I don't see a person who's animated by truth and trying to speak truth. He's trying to find the right words to say. He makes me think a lot of my former self and of SJWs. And, and a lot of times I felt, especially uncomfortable, uncomfortable in my own skin, not just because let's say I was public speaking or something that makes me nervous, not just because of that, but because I wasn't being authentic. I was like searching for the right, the correct things to say. And he comes off to me as like a bad actor. Now, some people are good at acting, but he, he, he looks to me like he's someone who's not very good at acting. And so he's like, when they're asking him a question, he's like getting prepared, like I'm getting ready to act now. (laughs) Yeah. He's totally inauthentic. He's totally yeah. inauthentic. Well, so let's let's just take a look. Let's take a look. Here's here's uh here's Cory Booker, one of your other one of your other favorites. First thing I'm going to do as president of the United States is go right to action. Climate is not a separate issue. It is the issue, the lens through which we must do everything that we do. It is an everyday mission. That means every one of my departments, every one of my agencies, every one of my cabinet members, from the Secretary of Defense to the Secretary of Agriculture, has to be coming up with an aggressive climate plan. I'm going to use the power of my pen to right away uh, go after the executive orders that Donald Trump did to unravel the things that Obama did. I'm going to make sure that I go further than that, banning uh, uh, extractive oil fracking uh, from public lands, going after the drilling and licensing, stopping them uh, from our coasts making sure that we're setting standards to put ourselves on a mission to have zero emission electricity by 2030 and a carbon neutral country by 2045. We can do these things and we'll do them. We'll get them done together. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So, so it's the lens through which everything must be viewed, which tells me it's an ideology. Yep. And that's also interesting because, um, I wonder where social justice ideology fits in now for him. If he's, if he's honestly believes that climate is the, his number one ideology through which he views the world, where does social justice stuff fit in? Is it number two? Carrie, are you trying to ask him to be consistent? I don't understand your logic. <laughs> also, I don't, I don't like this particular 
pair of ideological glasses. I don't want to wear those. <laughs> so yeah, look, let's just point out a few things. One, uh, they are autocrats. These, these Democrats are all talking about, Corey's not the only one, I will use executive fiat. I will use the power of the pen to, to rule you in the way that I think is best. While out of the other side of their mouth, often criticizing President Trump for signing executive orders that they don't like. But, you know, interestingly enough, he mentioned fracking. So that's great. He perpetuated the, the bad fracking myth. And like you said, he, everything is about, everything's about climate change. 2030 for zero emission um, energy is, I don't know if people understand how, you know, you can call people anti-science who ask basic questions about climate change. There is almost nothing more ridiculous or anti-science or anti-engineering than the idea that we could get to 2030 emissions of zero through things like wind and solar, unless he's talking about nuclear, which he's not, by the way, none of them are talking about nuclear power. So speaking of nuclear, just a really quick aside, if you are claiming to care about the environment and you're pushing solar and wind over nuclear, you're not being rational. And I'm just going to share... I'm going to share this one article. I'm not going to go through it, but this is, this is an article that a friend of mine uh, posted on Imgur. He's actually one of, uh, one of our lit listeners. Nuclear power is green energy, and it's better than wind and solar in almost every way. He walks through. This guy used to design power systems in other countries. So he walks through and he, design, he, talked about, he talks about the capacity. He talks about the problems with wind, the supply. He talks about solar. And... He talks about the waste associated with solar and the environmental impact of solar panels, both mining and disposing of solar panels. And he talks about uh, uh, spent fuel of, you know, how to deal with nuclear and how to deal with the spent fuel. And the conclusion is, if you care about the environment, you should be advocating for nuclear power, not solar and wind, which are largely, let's face it, they're largely myths. They're, they're fantasies. They're green fantasies of AOC. They're, wet, they're AOC's wet dream. That's how, how I would describe them. Do you really think they're fantasies? I, I stayed at a house in um, yeah. Sedona, Arizona that was solar, entirely um, uh, powered by solar and um, I'm trying to remember. They had something with the water system too, like the water was recycled. And yeah, was, why is that a fantasy? Well, because first of all, where were you? Sedona. So lots of sun in Sedona, Arizona. True. <laughs> okay. Did they have a giant battery? I don't know. They must have. Did you have power at night? I did. Okay. So they mined a hell of a lot of lithium to have a massive battery somewhere to store that power which is not super efficient and all of the things. So that's nice for your house. What about all the things in the house? Could you have manufactured the dishwasher and the television and everything else? Could you have, could you have manufactured the car? Could you have manufactured the house you mean, itself? You, oh, you mean with solar? Could you have created those things? No. Okay. You could not have. And, and the problem, and you're talking about Sedona, Arizona. First of all, that those solar panels, they were the, the solar panels are, incredibly toxic. 
they were they were mined at extreme environmental expense and they will be disposed of because they only last what 10 20 years so then you'll have to get rid of them and on top of that we're not talking about the uh, every other industry being and you're in arizona so what happens when you're not in a place with sun almost all day right so it's people look at these little experiments like oh i can live in a cottage with just wood and a solar panel sure but you can't get a solar panel without fossil fuels. Like you, you can't, you can't do all the manufacturing necessary. Um, so it's just a, it's just kind of a silly notion. And the he talks about in this article, he talks about the environmental impact of windmills as well, which you wouldn't think is huge, but actually is, is quite bad. So let's let's just look let's just pick another person carrie let's look at how elizabeth warren and then then we'll stop i don't want to keep going through because i don't care about these candidates or maybe we can do beto who would you rather listen to oh uh, i actually uh i was just saying to you uh off camera I, I i like warren better than i do the some of the others and that doesn't mean i like her a lot it's just compared to the others um what am i feeling let's do beto because i want to hate on I'm gonna hate okay. him. I mean, she's evil, but she's uh, but she's like authentically evil. She's not pretending. She's just like, yeah, I am a bitch. I don't know if I agree with that. Oh my god. Well, you and I disagree on some things, and that would be one. So hold on, let me. Honestly, she's like the. I honestly, I she's like the worst person on the planet. I'm pretty sure. I don't think so, but okay, but it doesn't matter if we agree on that. It totally matters. Um, so your climate proposal is unclear as to whether or not you support a carbon tax. What deters you from a carbon tax or from a cap-and-trade system? And if you are unwilling, what standards would you alternatively put in place to create a legally enforceable standard for emissions? So we should certainly price carbon. Uh, I think the, the best possible path to do that is through a cap-and-trade system. There would be allowances granted or sold uh, to polluters, uh, not just in the energy sector, but in transportation, as well as our industrial sector, um, cement, uh, steel, the chemicals that we produce. Um, there would be a set number of allowances that would decrease every single year because the clock is running. We have a little more than 10 years left. We don't have time to experiment. So I think that is the best possible path to ensure that there's a price for carbon and pollution in our economy. Set the standard here and then lead the globe, convene the other powers of the planet to make sure that they're doing their part as well. And Thanks for the question. Just to be clear, do you support a carbon tax, yes or no? No, uh, I think that a cap and trade is, is the best possible path. Uh, I think that's a, the best way to send the pricing signal to ensure that there is a legally enforceable limit. And so that's the, the path that I'm gonna choose. All right. So that was Beto. Uh, by the way, it doesn't matter that they don't call it a tax, cap and trade is basically a tax. It's just a different form of a tax. What is cap and trade? I'm ignorant on this. A cap and trade is, uh, here, I'll read, I'll read the definition here. Um, base, so basically it is kind of a carbon tax, but it's proposed as an alternative to a carbon tax, but it's a tax. So uh, basically what the, the government does is they set a cap or a limit on the total level of uh, certain chemicals or, or carbon dioxide uh, that you can produce, right? But then you pay, here, I'll read it. A cap and trade program can work a number of ways, but here are the basics. A government issues a limited number of annual permits 
that allow companies to emit a certain amount of carbon dioxide. Watch this, I'm gonna break the law. <sighs> the total amount permitted thus becomes a cap on emissions. Companies are taxed if they produce a higher level of emissions than their permit allows. Companies that reduce their emissions can sell or trade unused permits to other companies. So basically it's just a tax and it creates a separate industry of trading your, your tax credits. And actually what, what can happen, what will happen is ah, people will buy legislators in order for their company to get higher caps than they actually need so they can trade them so they can make money. And but like, you know, it's just another, it's, it's, an, it's another tax. It's more government inserting itself into the economy and, you know, why stop at industry? Why not tax us for breathing? Hey, here's my question. What, so is he talking about carbon, these, these cap and trade? Is this about carbon dioxide yeah. or carbon monoxide? Carbon dioxide. Okay. Which, what you breathe out. Right. So that's, I'm going to sound, I get, I'm going to sound ignorant here because I am, but how, isn't it carbon monoxide that we're worried about in in terms of pol air pollution? It's carbon generally, but Just it's carbon dioxide. It's carbon dioxide, not carbon monoxide that we're worried about. That we're talking. Oh, it's carbon dioxide that we're worried about. Yeah. Well, I'm not. But I mean, but they, that they're worried about. Okay. Well, so what is like like Los Angeles? I lived in LA for quite a while. The air quality is pretty bad. I mean, the the there would be like black soot that would collect on my right. window. This is, this is why anecdotes are not fact. The like, anecdotes aren't statistics. This is the reason LA is in a weird microclimate where there's always been smog in LA, even prior to cars, like it's gotten worse. Yeah. And a lot of it is, is cars in LA. Absolutely. And a lot of that is carbon monoxide, I think, although I'm not an expert, but LA is also in a weird microclimate where the, stuff gets trapped in the atmosphere and kind of stays there. LA's sunsets, my understanding, have been hazy since the you know, since we were in LA ever, right? Since since people were there. There that's the way LA is constructed. Whereas, you know, in other spots, there's the wind currents move particulate. In LA, the wind currents kind of and in the mountains there kind of trap particulate. But yeah, no one's arguing that you shouldn't do something to help clean up the air of LA or that it doesn't matter. No one's saying that the air quality doesn't matter. I mean, visit, uh, visit some cities in China. It's, it's bad. But that's not, this is not the conversation that's being had. Beto's not saying the air quality in LA is, is causing people to get sick and we should do something about it. What they're arguing is that carbon dioxide is causing global warming and global warming is catastrophic and we have you know, a short period of time left on this planet if we don't do something massive. And the okay, reason- so their, their underlying premise is that, that, that it's the production of, the human's production of carbon dioxide is causing this thing called global warming. That's their underlying premise that they just, they just assume that everyone takes for granted, right? Well, don't that, you? That it's man-made. Well, um, well, no, I don't know. I mean, I do. I, look, I, I, this is one of those areas that I just haven't done enough reading. And so when I started figuring out what I thought about things, like after I left my old ideology a couple of years ago, it's like, it takes a long time to go issue by issue and try and read enough about it to feel like that I'm, that I have enough of a knowledge to have an opinion. So 
I'm currently at a place where it sounds dumb, but if somebody asked me, do you believe in global warming? I'd say, I don't know. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. No, and, and I think that's actually fine. Uh, and we can't be, we said this the other day, you can't be experts on everything. And I, in a daily, I'm not an expert on climate change. And in a daily Kofefi, we're not going to make an argument uh, about the intricacies of climate change. What, what we can say, though, is if you'll notice, it is being used as a crisis. It is being used to push more government control. Uh, I did, we didn't play the Elizabeth Warren clip, but the Elizabeth Warren clip, she talks about, uh, I think it was Don Lemon says, oh, Trump wants to uh, allow there to be incandescent light bulbs again and, and not have a government ban on light bulbs. And she rolls her eyes and, and he kind of jokingly says, well, you know, are you saying that the government should tell people what kind of light bulbs they can buy? And she kind of laughs and she's like, no, no, obviously not. But then she proceeds to explain how the government precisely should do that, should tell people what kind of light bulbs to buy, what kind of straws they can use, what kind of everything that they can do, because it's such a crisis, blah, blah, blah. We all have to do our, our little part. And then she goes off and um, gets mad at the fossil fuel industry, which, you know, the only thing that I don't, I think you might have a point about, or someone might have a point about the fossil fuel industry is it shouldn't be subsidized. Other than that, the fossil fuel industry is responsible for our standard of living. But the, so the thing is, I don't want to get into uh, details about the science of climate change. My, my point is, I guess, twofold. One is, do you know the science of climate change? And if you don't, all you're doing is parroting what scientists quote, pol what politicians say, scientists say which is not even what all scientists say, but what is published in UN-sponsored reports by scientists with political agendas. And if you, e even scientists who are in agreement with this don't agree with the alarmist, sky is falling, catastrophic nature of plans like the, the New Green Deal. So, but some of them do, I'm sure. Scientists aren't one entity. It's like intersectionality. Black people aren't all one thing. Women aren't all one thing. Scientists are not all one thing. They have disagreements about the right ways to go about combating climate change, and they have disagreements about the nature of climate change. So the other thing, though, Carrie, is... Well, well also, I've, I've, I remember... It, it seems like they keep changing the what they're saying about this climate crisis, right? Like, it used to be. Remember, it was like global cooling for a while in the seventies. Yeah. So in the seventies, wait, what are you going to say? No, I remember it was global cooling. The next so, ice age is coming. All the scientists yeah. agree. All the scientists agree. Ice age coming. Global cooling. Then there was the big uh, ozone hole in the eighties. Mm -hmm. Like you got to quit using hairspray because you're making a hole in the ozone and then it was global warming and now it's climate change. I mean, right. it's, it just keeps, there's, but some of these things are contradictory and they're, it wasn't, this 1970s wasn't that long ago. No. <laughs> well, so here's, look, from a lay person's perspective, without understanding the science, one thing you can do is you can ask yourself, what standard are they using? And, to me, and this is ties into actually the show that we released with, with Daniel Richards earlier today, this, the standard should be 
human flourishing. So an environment is an environment for something, right? The environment isn't like, there's not an environment. An environment is inherently that word, that concept is a relational concept. There's not an environment. It's an environment in relation to something. Things there's an, there's your, the environment that your dog is in right now is different than yours. You're both in the same house, but his environment involved includes you and things you do for him and, and you know, a different, he's closer to the floor, right? Your environment is slightly different. You can go outside, you have internet access. Like there's, it's, the environment is in relation to a being. And so when we talk about the environment, the, the question's like, whose environment? The environment for viruses? The environment for slugs? The environment for the bald eagle? the environment for an exotic bird you like in the tropics or in the environment for humans. The human environment is, is, should be the standard and, and that's what should matter. And all of this discussion should be around what is best for humans. And when see, you were, I, th I think a lot of people on the left now I'm just speaking from personal experience and anecdote. Um, but a lot of people on the left, I think, uh, they expand their dissatisfaction with being or hatred for being or their nihilism. Um, self-hatred, perhaps. Self-hatred. And they expand that to the human race in general. I yes. remember, yes. And so they don't actually care about environment for humans. I, mean, I remember thinking and probably saying, probably voicing out loud, that humans are a virus on the planet and it'll be better when we're all gone. Right. Like, how ridiculous is that in retrospect that I ever thought that. Right. But, that, that's a, that's a statement of self-hatred. Yeah, it is. But a lot of it is like that. I mean, you see people, you see um, left like activists doing Ted talks about how we should stop having babies. Right. <laughs> you know? And right. it's just this whole kind of, um, this plays into, we've talked about this before, but this, it's very common in, in some of my old circles, this like hatred for uh, reproduction, hatred of children. Uh, I love animals, but I hate kids, that kind of thing. Right. I know a ton of people on the left like that. Yep. It's, weird. it's a little weird. Yeah. And I think it, I think it's important to, un, to figure out for yourself what side you're on in terms of humans. Are, are humans your standard? Is human prospering your standard? Fine. If it is, then we can have real debates about the environment, the human environment, and what's good for humans. But if your standard is, is that the environment separate from humans is, has some intrinsic value by itself, which is just ridiculous and stupid. Like, why doesn't the environment on Mars have intrinsic value? Why not the environment in, on Saturn? Why not the environment of Venus? Like what's the, what's so special about the quote environment of the earth, if not for supporting human life, that's, that's why we care about what it's like, right? Or it's, it's why we should. So I think people probably should figure out, I, I'm one of the most important things I think is to see through this and to figure out like, when you hear these people talk about climate change and a climate crisis, are they coming from the perspective that a human being is a burden to the universe? or a human being is a beautiful, wonderful, great resource and, and gift from the universe or from God or from nature, however you want to say it. Like, are humans 
to be celebrated as individuals or are humans to be hated and uh, controlled, despised, and- yet yeah, just controlled and, and vilified? And are they, are they a blight or are they wonderful? And I think one of the major differences between mindsets here is that there is a group, like you said, there is a, in Western civilization fundamentally, one of the reasons we have individual rights, I think, and, and this comes, I'll give Christianity the credit, this comes largely from the work of, my understanding, I'm not an expert here, but it comes largely from the work of, of some later Christian theologians who, who talked about the soul being uh, val- like valuable. And it's this idea that human beings have value. Human beings are the standard. Every, everyone, the king, peasants, and everyone in between has value as a human. And there's an appreciation for human life that when you, when you say, hey, people should have individual rights, there's an appreciation for human life, for every human life at that point. And, and for the, not only the sanctity of that life, but the uh, agency that humans have and the, and, the, and the self-ownership and control that they deserve to be given or allowed to, to continue having. And so there's that mindset. And then there's the mindset of like, humans are a virus and a pain in the ass and they're dumb and they're horrible and they're a, they're a liability and they should be controlled and, and used as tax cattle and not allowed to propagate and reduced and oppressed and like that's what we should do to humans because humans are horrible those are the two kind of it sounds extreme but those are kind of the two perspectives and by and large the climate crisis people fall into the latter camp i agree yeah i think there's i think it's there's something interesting there and Um, just to be clear carrie i just i'm not saying that carbon dioxide doesn't create a greenhouse effect and warm the earth. From my understanding, again, layman, looks like that kind of is true. Looks like yes, carbon dioxide. The, yes. The question though, isn't the question though, is the impact of man? Well, there's a bunch of questions. One of them is how much of that is humans? And I think it's pretty clear that at least some significant portion is, re- is due to human activity. Sure. Uh, I, I think, again, not an expert here, but layman. Yeah, I think some of that is, uh, at least a significant portion of that is due to humans. But here's the other question that you need to ask, which is, what do you give up? So let me, let me, let me rephrase this. Is the environment for humans better now? Or is it better without adding that carbon to the atmosphere? So let's say that increase, let's say that we continue on our present course and we really do all these alarmist stuff happens and we, we increase the average temperature of the earth by several degrees Celsius and ice caps melt and the ocean sea, the ocean uh, rises and shorelines change and some places get very, very hot. Is that bad for humans? Well, I think we have to start asking some questions like, would we have more arable land? Would it be good for plants? Carbon dioxide, which they are calling a pollutant, 
is literally plant food. It's actually very hard to supersaturate uh, a greenhouse with carbon dioxide because the, the plants start consuming, they, they grow wildly. You get more and more plant life um, and it starts to consume. I, my understanding is it's logarithmic consumption. So like it gets, it gets difficult to really increase carbon dioxide beyond certain levels. I think you can, I'm not, I'm not a scientist, but the, the point is there's a, there's a balance here. We've seen a greening of the earth. So we have more, we have more green on the earth now than we have in the past, probably as a result of carbon dioxide. And the question is, well, what if, what if more of Northern areas and, and extreme Southern areas become farmable? Is that good for humans? Can we deal with hot weather? Can we deal with shifting shorelines? Is that better for humans? Because the alternative carry is, is catastrophic. The, what we never ask ourselves is the cost of making energy more expensive or limiting energy consumption. Energy consumption is the reason for our standard of living. It's the reason we have long lifespans. It is, it's the reason for modern civilization. And we take it for granted that you can flip on a light switch and get light or that we can have refrigeration or that we can have hospitals that are powered. Or we, like all the things that we do, all the things that you've, you see in front of you on your desk or look around, all these things that are manufactured take an enormous amount of energy. And all that stuff makes human life better. Most of it makes human life better. And if you cut down on energy consumption, you will, that will result in a decrease in human flourishing. It will result in more average deaths and it will be bad for humans. Energy consumption is great for humans. It's how we have thrived. So you have to look at the other side of the equation. Okay, there's a risk here. What's the risk of not having fossil fuel burning? That's a huge risk. It's a huge risk. And no one ever talks about it. I was just thinking, can you imagine the debates if the candidates talked about this, <laughs> this kind of stuff? Like if they, they talked do. about real things, you know, the real questions and just... I don't know. It's it's such a political theater watching all this. I mean, I. It's entertainment. That's all it is. It is. It is. It's political theater. Um, but I don't think they even believe their own rhetoric. Just to be clear, and you brought this up the other day. What did the Obamas run out and do? They bought a fifteen million dollar house on Martha's Vineyard. If they believed the sea levels were rising, then they would believe that that house be covered up in ocean in a few years. Yeah. There's no way they would spend fifteen million dollars buying. Let's put $15 million underwater, guys. Right. So they don't, I don't think they even believe this. This is just a way to control the population by having, you know, the globalists are freaking out. It's the, the other reason they love the issue is it's not a national issue. It's a global issue. Andrew Yang talked about making the United States responsible for fixing it globally. Like they love the global idea. Um, so climate change is their perfect issue, but they don't, none of them actually get into the cost benefit analysis from a human flourishing perspective. And the science is not, it's not settled in the way that they make it sound. Yes. It's settled that carbon dioxide can create a greenhouse effect. Yes. We know that some of that is man-made all these models predicting catastrophe in the end of the world. That's not settled science. You should be allowed to ask questions, but no one is allowed to ask those questions. You yeah. get vilified as a science denier and people scoff and you'll notice they can't answer the same questions that you would ask. 
they can't answer them either. If you ask them, if you ask them questions like, well, uh, what is the relationship between CO2 production and uh, plant life? And what does that graph look like? And is, the, is there some point at which uh, the, there's a maximum saturation of CO2 in the atmosphere and it becomes an, you get homeostasis again? They don't know. So I'm sure some scientists know, but they, people don't know. People act like it's a religion. Yeah, the people, I mean, you, people just repeat it as, that's what I was saying, all these candidates, I guess, are taking as fact that, you know, it's something that they probably can't articulate if you, if you ask them these questions. They can't right. explain why they believe what they believe. They can't explain why they believe what they believe. Um, it's, I, I don't know, it's interesting. We should do at some point, and not soon, because there's a lot of other stuff on our plate, but at some point, I do want to read a lot about the science part of this. I know we're not talking about the science part of it. I do want to do an episode on climate change. Yeah, I want to read about the science part of it also, because I, I don't have as much information as I'd like. But I do know that the standard they're using is not human flourishing. I know I'm not hearing the conversation framed in the way that I'm framing it to you right now. And I know that it's obviously political, because when you propose solutions that go against their political ideology, they are dismissed. When you say things like, hey, uh, all this overspend, all this overconsumption, all this production of stuff that's contributing to our carbon footprint. A lot of that's enabled by deficit spending. How about we, how about we uh, enter into a period of austerity, tighten our belts, and live within our means as a country for a while? Because all this deficit spending is consumption now that we're going to pay the price of not just economically, but according to your concerns, environmentalists, we're going to pay the price for that from an environmental perspective, in, in potentially a catastrophic way, according to AOC and these people. How about we do that? No, no, no. Can't do that. That's, that's no, no, no. We have to be able to spend more than we tax. And we have to be able to tax more. Okay. It's clear what the agenda is. Yeah. The agenda is Marxism. The agenda is, is it's, it's globalism. It's authoritarian globalism. That's the agenda. They want to be in charge. And all this is, is it's just a crisis to get you riled up so that you remember why they need us. That's what they, that's what they want. You know, I would be interested to see some stats on the, um, on the difference between conservatives and liberals when it comes to personal recycling and things like that. I don't know. I haven't read any of these stats, but I wonder if they are similar to the stats about personal charitable giving, because uh, conservatives give more money. They choose to voluntarily give more charitable money than liberals do. Whereas I think liberals tend to think, well, it's the government's job to take it from us and just redistribute it. Um, I wonder if it's the same with recycling. Cause a lot of the people, not all, but a lot of the people I know who are really religious about recycling and really hardcore about it are conservatives and libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, don't know. I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised simply because, part of being a leftist is abdicating personal responsibility generally. Everything is about, uh, you know, you've done your job. You can wipe your hands uh, of a situation or, or pat yourself on the back simply because you've advocated that the government do something. That makes you a good person. You're done. Uh, you can, you know, go home and, you know, do whatever bad things you were doing before. Whereas, I think people who advocate personal responsibility, if they care about this stuff, they're out doing charity and that kind of thing. My understanding, by the way, is a lot of times, though, 
separate show, a lot of times recycling actually is not worth it, both economically and for the environment. It's actually, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it, sp- it spends more energy trying to like convert the, re- yeah, it, it, it's recycling is a, another farce in many ways, not always, but I think, yeah, we could do another show on that. Okay, don't dispel all of my beliefs in one episode. Let's. let's I didn't really dispel anything. Oh, I, I just know. asked you to I'm ask just, questions. So I'm, I'm not kidding. making a claim about any of this. I'm just saying ask the questions. I'm just kidding. Um, well, okay, thank you guys for tuning in to Daily Confetti on Unsafe Space. If you like it, please hit the like button. Hit, please subscribe on YouTube and share the video. Um, that helps us get uh, more viewers. And also, if you want to contribute financially, we have merchandise on our website, unsafespace.com. And we also have a subscribe star instead of a Patreon. Awesome. And we're doing book club on September 15th. If you haven't already started reading George Orwell's 1984 and you want to be part of the video discussion, go ahead and you should start reading it now. Okay. Thank you for watching. See you later.